John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and they, my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. The word of God. You may be seated. I'd like you to raise your hand if you have ever seen a shepherd at work. Okay. I see a couple. Okay, I want you to keep your hand up if you have a friend that is a shepherd or owns sheep. Is there anyone? Okay, I have one, two. Very good. Okay, three maybe. All right, so um, we are far removed from the people Jesus is talking to in John chapter 10 when he says, I am the good shepherd. The closest I've gotten to seeing sheep is the sheep shearing at the 123 farm in Beaumont. It's a great experience uh, to go out there and see them shear the sheep. That's great. Um, the only sheep that I know personally are these two, Eleanor um, and, and Eric. And Coming up, Desmond will be in that same sheep costume as well. Um, the only animals grazing around the hills at our house off Retchie Canyon are these wild donkeys. That is our backyard um, off Retchie Canyon, and the donkeys come, um, and we need to get a fence um, because my mother-in-law spent, I don't know, four or five hours trying to shovel poop one time when she visited. <laughs> Um, because the donkeys are something else, but we love seeing them. They're our wildlife, but they are not sheep. I don't own sheep. I never cared for sheep. I don't have any friends who have sheep. I have a cousin who has some goats. When Jesus says he is the good shepherd, I have to use my imagination. So sometimes I imagine someone soft and gentle, holding a little lamb, perhaps a little smelly, dirty, maybe looked down on, um, a little isolated, off on their own, caring for some pretty unintelligent herd animals. That's what I think of when I think of shepherd. So what does Jesus mean? <laughs> When he says, I am the good shepherd, we're in part two of a three-week series called Jesus Is, and last Sabbath, Pastor Icky shared with us a wonderful message about having all of us look back to the original. Who is Jesus? And let's, let's copy who he is and not try to copy a copy of a copy of a copy. We need to keep our eyes on the life and teachings and activity of Jesus so that we can know what we're called to do and how we're called to follow. And I love that he said Jesus is a person and not an idea, a person to follow. And so as we look at this more this week, what kind of a person is Jesus? And what does it mean that he uses this analogy of being a good shepherd? And I'd like to suggest two characteristics of who Jesus is based on this illustration he uses about being the good shepherd. Number one, Jesus is attentive. Jesus is attentive. John chapter 10, starting with verse three, it says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. 
He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Notice this, he calls his sheep by name. Now when I see a herd of sheep, the few times that I have, there is no way I'm telling those sheep apart. But did you know that sheep actually have personalities? Yep, they do. They have personalities. I, I, uh, I looked this up because I didn't know. But studies have shown that sheep can be more bold or shy. They can be more extroverted or more introverted. And shepherds can tell their sheep apart. And they can have names. I love the book Cecil the Lost Sheep. And in this book, the shepherd is counting his sheep. And he says, one, Michael, two, Kevin, three, Annette, 96, Meredith, 97, the other Meredith, 98, Abdul, 99, Emily. Cecil is missing, he cries. He calls his sheep by name, by name. Dale Carnegie, the author of How to Win Friends and Influence People, said, a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. Jesus compares himself to a shepherd who knows the name of each sheep, each individual sheep, not just as one of a herd, but as an individual with personality and likes and dislikes. And the good shepherd knows the name. And if the good shepherd knows the name of the sheep, then as a community, we ought to know the names of one another. That's why we've been hounding you for the church directory again and again. We bring it up. Why is that? Because we believe very strongly that if Jesus knows all of our names, we ought to learn one another's names. And we wanna work on that and get better at that because Jesus knows our names. It's important. And it says the sheep know his voice. Now, I used to feel a lot of pressure around this one, and perhaps you've heard this before and you felt a little pressure too. Oh, you've got to know the voice of the shepherd and you've got to make sure you spend enough time with the shepherd because if you don't know the voice of the shepherd, you can get deceived by someone else and you've got to learn this voice and you can get a lot of pressure and feeling a lot of work up about, well, what if I do not recognize the voice? What if I, what if I do? How do I know if that's the shepherd's voice? And on and on and on. And when Jesus said this, guess, guess what? The onus is on the shepherd, not the sheep. This is a description, not of a good sheep. It's a description of the good shepherd. Why do the sheep know the shepherd's voice? Well, Jesus says it's because he brought them out and he goes ahead of them. They know his voice because he hasn't been a stranger. They know his voice because he's gone looking for them, not because they've gone looking for him. Jesus is the good shepherd. He went looking for them. The first listeners hearing this about the good shepherd would have had Psalms 23 in their hearts and minds, where David said in verse one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his namesake. In Philip Keller's book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, 
He looks at this phrase, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And being a shepherd, he says, what does it take for sheep to actually lie down? What do they need? And he said they need four, there's four conditions. Number one, they have to be free from all fear. Number two, they have to be free of friction with others in the group. Number three, they have to be free of flies and parasites. And number four, they have to be well fed. No fear, no friction, no flies, and well fed. That sounds pretty human, don't you think? We have a hard time relaxing, a hard time lying down, a hard time sleeping when we're feeling scared, when we're struggling with a relationship, when we're dealing with mosquitoes, my word. (sighs) The rains came, the mosquitoes came, and we have had interrupted nights um, since that happened. Dealing with mosquitoes or feeling hungry. It's hard to sleep. Jesus is the good shepherd that cares about how we're doing, not just spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally. I'm doing a discipleship class uh, with the conference right now, and as part of that, we encourage members to read Psalms 23, linger in it, spend some time with it, and ask Jesus, where am I at spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally. Where am I at? Spend some time in the psalm thinking about that. Maybe do some journaling, jotting some things down. Where am I at? And then, this is the the best part. What is on your heart for me, Jesus, in each one of these areas? What is on your heart for me? If you wanna explore a bit more Psalm 23, from an emotional health perspective, I highly recommend this book called The Lord is My Courage by K.J. Ramsey. She takes each phrase of the psalm, and as a therapist and a woman who lives in a constant pain from an autoimmune disease, it's a breath of fresh air, her book. Jesus wants to restore our soul, our breath, our very life, and that's what gets me excited about the journey we're about to go on with the LIFT project. We mentioned it already, this is a chance for us to be reminded of the practical ways that God longs for us to experience well-being and what that looks like and to explore it together in community. And so I really encourage you to think of two or three people, two people that you could get together with regularly for six weeks in a public place. If you're open, we'll send people your way. We'll let people know, we'll list your group. And it could be during the week, it could be at work, in your neighborhood, at a park, wherever it is, to gather together and encourage each other on each one of these challenges on well-being. God cares not only about your emotional health, your physical health, but God cares about your relational health, about your social health. The church picnic, yeah? You heard about it already? You wanna come and eat and play things uh, with a net, a ball with a net, it's going over the net or it's going in the net. That's pretty much all the games that are happening. Um, that, but uh, come and make some friends because God cares about your relational health, about your being in community, about your social, your social life. On the other hand, Um, John 10, verse 13, Jesus says, the hired hand runs away because 
The hired hand does not care for the sheep. And here's the sting in Jesus' words. From the end of chapter nine, we see that Jesus is talking to the religious leaders of the day. And he says, you do not care for the sheep. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, it's in contrast to them. Now imagine with me for a minute, this is our team, our pastoral staff, and imagine if I went into staff meeting one day and I said, guess what, everybody? I'm the good shepherd. <laughs> don't know about all of you, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm the one. I don't believe that. These are great people. I'm so glad to work with them. Uh, but imagine how that would feel. Jesus saying that to the shepherds of Israel. I'm the good shepherd. You all are, are, are hired hands. In fact, the word pastor, again, we're not a pastoral society. We don't have sheep everywhere, but the word pastor is literally shepherd from the Latin, um, from the verb pascur, to lead to pasture, to cause to eat. So literally, you could say pastor icky, or you could say shepherd icky. That's what the word means. <laughs> it's, it's pastor. We're called to care about people, to be attentive to people the way Jesus was attentive to people. And guess what? If you're an elder, it's the same concept. <laughs> to shepherd people, to care, to be attentive to people's needs and be attentive to what's on God's heart for people. It was when I was a youth pastor that I first realized that someone did not like me. I was very peace-loving as a child. I was friends with everyone. But, but when I was a youth pastor, there was someone that made it very clear that they disliked me. In fact, they told me, I do not like you. Well, that's very clear. And I struggled, and I cried over this person. Um, why, why do we not have this connection? What's going on? Um, that was, it was hard for me, and, and now I'm okay with people not liking me. So <laughs> that's all right. You could tell me it's been a few years. <laughs> But I agonized, what did I do wrong? Did I do something to lose their trust? Why would they not like me? And one day this person said to me, you get paid to be our friend. I go, ooh, yikes. Now, um, if you're thinking about becoming a pastor, don't do it for the money. <laughs> we do get paid, thank God for that. But I love our church system because they set the pay scale right in the middle of wherever you're at so that you as church members won't be like, do we need to drop off food at their house? Um, and on the, on the flip side, you won't be like, what's that new car in their driveway? I think this is number dot, 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 dot. So, so as a church, we thought, well, we, we want to pay pastors like right in the middle um, for that reason. In fact, you may not know this, but um, if you're at a big church or a small church, guess what? The pay is the same. And I love that about our, our church because we don't have that pressure or thinking, oh, you want to make more money, go here and all there. No, no, no. Um, and guess what? If you're a lead pastor or an associate pastor, guess what? The pay is the same. Pastor Icky gets more headaches, um, but, but he doesn't get any more uh, financial blessing for it. Uh, in fact, when I went as an associate pastor from Ukaipa to a lead pastor in Victorville, I took a pay cut. I didn't know that before I accepted the position, but that wouldn't have changed it. <laughs> Why? Because guess what? It's at a different cost of living, right? They, they want to, to pay pastors right in the middle there, right? Because we are not paid 
to be friends. We are paid so that we don't have to get other jobs, so that we can be attentive to the good shepherd, so we can be attentive to the needs that is on God's heart for this community. <sighs> Talking to the shepherds of Israel, the Lord says, Ezekiel 34, four to five, you have not strengthened the weak, you have not healed the sick, you have not bound up the injured, you have not brought back the strays, you have not sought the lost, but with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and scattered they became food for all the wild animals. Verse 15, God says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. Remember what they need to lie down? Freedom from fear, no flies, no friction, well-fed. God says, I will make them lie down. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. Tough words from the prophet Ezekiel. Words that remind us that among people there really are no sheep and shepherds. There really are just sheep. And when God talks to the leaders of Israel with the shepherds of Israel, he says, I'm gonna separate between the fat sheep and the, and the thin sheep, the ones that have gotten their wealth and their abundance from the other sheep, the ones that have been oppressing others to get their gain, guess what? I'm gonna have an issue with them, God says. I will feed them with what? With justice. This is a powerful a powerful passage and a challenging one for those of us who have any kind of position of leadership or responsibility. You have not bound up the injured, you have not brought the strays, you have not sought the lost. Farce and harshness, you have ruled them. And I wanna just take a moment to say, on behalf of myself and all of our pastoral team, if this has happened to you, if you have felt ignored, uh, if you have not felt cared for, I am so sorry for that. And please let us know. I had an experience uh, one time back in Victorville where a long time later, someone told me that they had been hurt and they had been disconnected from the church because I had been out in the lobby and they had told me that one of their siblings had passed away. On Sabbath, they told me that. And I did not call them afterwards to check in with how they're doing. And what happened was I was running around doing something before preaching or whatever, and it went in one ear and out the other. There is one good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. And those of us who have a title, shepherd or pastor, we're seeking to be attentive. And if you have the title elder, we're seeking to be attentive to the needs that are on God's heart for the people. But if you, please, if you have a need, if you've been injured or hurt, um, please let us know, and we want to make that right. We want to follow the calling of Jesus to be good shepherds. Jesus is attentive, and that was number one. Number two, Jesus is powerful. When we think about Jesus as the, the shepherd, we, 
we miss that when Jesus said shepherd, he meant king, ruler, leader. That's why he can say, I'm gonna separate between those who have been oppressors and those who have been oppressed, those who have been making themselves, lifting up by pushing other people down. I'm gonna separate that, why? Because I'm gonna come as the shepherd, the ruler, the king. Ezekiel 34 says, I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. When God says, I'm gonna be the shepherd, he's saying, I'm gonna be the king. I'm gonna be the ruler. There's gonna be a ruler coming in the line of David. And when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he's saying, guess what, everyone? I've arrived. I am God. I'm here. I'm taking over. I'm the, sh I'm the new shepherd. I am the king. I'm the Messiah. He declares himself to be the rightful ruler of Israel. And, and then he says something audacious and crazy and says, guess what, I have the power, not just of Israel, not to be ruler, to be Messiah, I have power over life itself. John 10 verse 17 says, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up. I have received this command from my Father. So some say that he's crazy, and some say that he's demon-possessed, but they cannot argue with his power. Why is that? The very next chapter in the book of John, chapter 11, is the story of Jesus' friend Lazarus. Lazarus is sick, he dies, Jesus goes, and Jesus calls him by name, and he comes out of that grave. We sang two songs earlier today about coming out of a grave. Jesus has the power. He knows Lazarus. He's been attentive to Lazarus. He knows Lazarus' name and he calls him by his name and he has the power to give him new life. I don't think any of you are dead today. Otherwise, you wouldn't be hearing my voice right now. But perhaps you feel in the need of some new life. Perhaps you feel in the need of some resurrection power of a new beginning. Well, guess what? This good shepherd is attentive to your needs and powerful enough to do something about them. Why would we wanna follow anyone else? But so often we do. Other leaders who will abandon us when the tax come. So who are you following this morning? Do they know you? Do they care about you? Jesus says, John 10, verse 16, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus wants to be number one in our lives. He wants to be the one shepherd. He wants to be the one shepherd who are you following? In the summer of 2009, my cousin was doing an on-location uh, directed study on the history of Jerusalem. I had always wanted to go to the Holy Land, and so she, when she called me up and said, hey, do you wanna come out for my birthday to Istanbul? And I said, okay, that's great. I'm single, I have disposable income. Yes, I will go. Um, and so, 
she agreed that after three days in Istanbul, we would do what I wanted to do, which was go around and find the archaeological sites of all seven of the churches in Revelation chapter two and three. So we got a book, and the two of us um, in our 20s or so uh, looked around for these churches, and we had some pretty crazy adventures. It's a little uh, strange to think of two young ladies in their 20s traipsing across Turkey now, but there we were. Um, and in Ephesus, we went to go see what was said to be the Apostle John's tomb in an old monastery. But when we arrived there, there was a big door and it was bolted shut. And we found out that the monastery was closed because it was a holiday and we could not go in to see the Apostle John's tomb. So we were a little disappointed, looking forlorn, waiting there, and a man comes up to us and says, um, you wanna go inside? And we say, yeah. He said, well, I've worked here for a long time, and if you pay me, I'll get you inside. Okay, well, all right, that's great. So we gave him the money, and we were fully expecting him to take out a key, open the door, give us a private tour, but he said, oh, come, come follow me. I'm like, okay, it's a little weird. So we walked around with him to the side, and we kind of started climbing this hill all the way around the hill, and we were seeing the views of, the, of Ephesus, and we were a little worried that the police might be coming soon, or maybe they wouldn't be coming soon, and we're with this strange guy. We're, we're climbing up all the way. We finally get to the top, and he gives us a rapid-fire tour of the monastery. He's like, okay, here's, here's John's tomb. Take a picture. Okay, good. Okay, come over here. See this artwork. Okay, take a picture. All right, great. And then, towards the end of our tour, he offered us some uh, some ancient money, some coins to purchase. And it was very inexpensive, so I thought, okay, um, all right, well, why not? I have no idea what happened to that. And it was only later that I thought of the implications. If this was actually ancient treasure, then we're in big trouble, but probably it's a, it's a, it's a counterfeit. It was only later, once we were, we were back safely in our hotel room, that we thought, hmm, Probably not a good idea. John 10 verse eight says, all who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I am came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus, attentive to our needs, powerful enough to call us from whatever pit we're in. Who else, who else would we want to follow? So as I was learning about sheep this week, I found Farm Sanctuary. And if you want to learn more, you can go to farmsanctuary.org forward slash sheep. Um, but get ready to have your heart broken by the stories of these farm animals. It's a rescue mission, um, and they have a, a place about 45 minutes north of LA. I learned the story of Biscuit. Um, Biscuit was in a pen at a car auction, and his mother and younger brother had already been sold, and he was huddled alone in a corner, trembling from fear, little Biscuit. 
A teenager, Tyler, was at the auction with her cousin and found the little sheep. And she climbed into his crate, she sat down, and he got right into her lap. She knew she had to take him home. So she called her mother. Mom, can we have a sheep? I don't want to leave without the sheep. And her mother said, okay, well, luckily they had a couple acres and they had space, so they said, okay, well, when she heard then that the owner was planning on sending the sheep to the slaughterhouse, um, since the sheep hadn't been sold, then she said, okay, you can take the sheep home. So Tyler named the sheep Biscuit, and for the next year they were inseparable. Biscuit adored Tyler. But Tyler had to go to school, and unlike the little Mary had a little lamb, this sheep could not follow her there. So Tyler shared on Instagram that she created for Biscuit, I would just like for him to have a friend. I know he is very lonely when I'm not with him. So Biscuit found a new home at the farm sanctuary, and he's thriving today because Tyler was a good shepherd. Tyler was attentive to his deeds, and Tyler used her power to help him have a new life. Jesus, who is he? Jesus is attentive to your needs. He knows them, and he has the power to give you a new life. Why wouldn't we follow him?